140. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cable strains, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps us all steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. It is safely moored, will the storm withstand, for it is well secured by the Savior's hand. Though the tempest rage and the wild winds blow, not an angry shall our bark or flow. We have an anchor that keeps us soul, steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. When our eyes behold through the gathering the city of gold, our harbor bright. We shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forever We have an anchor that keeps us so steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Amen. Please remain standing, Pastor. All right. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to have everybody here tonight, and uh, we're thankful that the folks from uh, Hiles Anderson made it in safely. It's good to have the Cowlings. And uh, the young ladies got to go with, uh, to dinner with them, and they had a wonderful time, and uh, learned a whole lot of things, and uh, it was a blessing, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing them sing in just a few moments, but we're going to have a word of prayer, a few announcements, and then Brother Cowling, if it's all right, we'll have the young ladies come up, and uh, you guys pretty much take over the service, if that's all right. So, amen. All right. And I told them we'd be out by no later than 9.30. They said there's a outside shot and uh, no I'm kidding they'll have us out in plenty of time we're looking forward to some good gospel saying we truly are but uh, let's we haven't prayed yet have we that's terrible brother Roger can you open us up with a word of prayer All right, you may be seated. Just a couple quick announcements here. Um, I do, would ask that you be praying, be much in prayer for Brenda Timmerman. Um, I know Brenda is having some serious gallbladder um, uh, issues right now. She's in a great, great deal of pain. Um, do they have any idea, Chris, Leah, when? Okay.
All right, so do be praying much there. It sounds like there is a lot of uncertainty, and she needs our prayers. Is she here in Prairie, or is she up in La Crosse? She is here in Prairie, so be much in prayer for the Timmerman family at this point. So, um, Also, uh, just uh, want to encourage you to come on out um, for Vacation Bible School, August 10th through the 14th. Be much in prayer for that as we begin preparations and get ready for that. And uh, looking forward to a great year, but I would uh, ask that you pray and uh, ask that God's blessing upon us. So, Well, praise the Lord. That's good. My in-laws just got here. It's time to dismiss. I'm kidding. <laughs> It's good to have Barry and Mary Nixon with us all the way from Michigan, man. Isn't that good? That's good. No, praise the Lord. I'm glad they got in safely. Some little grandson's mighty happy to see his grandparents, so that's good. All right. Well, young ladies, why don't I have you come on up? And uh, Brother Colin, is that acceptable to have them? All right. Sing a new song, a song of praise to God above. Sing a new song because of his amazing love. Praise him with song, oh make a joyful sound. Sing to the Lord and let your praise abound. Come let us sing, come let us sing a song of Sing a new song, a song of worship to the Lord. Sing a new song, for he is honored and adored. Worship the Lord, who is the righteous King. Worthy is he, lift up your voice to sing. Come let us sing, come let us sing a song of praise. God of grace and glory. Come let us sing, come let us sing a song of praise. Sing a new song, a song of everlasting joy. Sing a new song, a song of everlasting joy. Sing a new song, a song that time cannot destroy. Sing a new song, a song that time cannot destroy. Glory to God, praise Him with harp and string. Mountains rejoice and all the valleys ring. Come let us sing, come let us sing a song of Songs of Praise Tour Group from Hiles Anderson College. We are traveling Midwest this summer with Dr. and Mrs. Pete Cowling. My name is Allison Vigneri and I grew up at First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Robbs and I'm from Muscatine, Iowa. Hello, my name is Courtney Lowry and I'm from Bellevue, Nebraska. Hi, I'm Emily Kurtz and I'm from way up in North Carolina. Hey y'all, my name is Katie Bittinger. I'm from Southern Michigan. And at the piano is Susanna Belisle. She is from Washington, Iowa. 
We're going to sing a song that's called The Story of Paul and Silas. And as you said, there are a lot of motions. So we're going to sing it through, and you can watch the motions and listen to the words. And then when we sing it through the second time, we're going to be watching you all to see who is going to be the winner of the Dove Chocolate. But this is a clapping song, so everyone start clapping. The story of Paul and Silas, how they were bound and thrown into jail. They did not worry, they kept on praying. They were serving God, they could not fail. But then at midnight, God sent an earthquake. That old foundation began to shake. Those prison doors flew open wide. And Paul and Silas stepped outside. Yes, he'll deliver me in my time of need. Like those Hebrew children from the fiery flame. And he fed 5,000 with two fishes and bread. And he walked on the water. And he raised the dead while he stood by Daniel in the lion's den. And he saved old Moses from Pharaoh's hand. Open the eyes of the blind to see. I know that he'll deliver me. Maybe you're wondering why all of a sudden, in the middle of a song, we all just screamed. Well, just imagine, you were blind for your entire life. Then all of a sudden, Jesus came along and he healed you. But the first person you saw was the person next to you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, in my case, I would be a little scared. So we're going to try that again, and we're going to be watching you all to determine who is going to be the winner. You've heard the story of Paul and Silas, how they were bound and thrown into jail. They did not worry, they kept on praying. They were serving God, they could not fail. But then at midnight, God sent an earthquake. That old foundation began to shake. Those prison doors flew open wide. And Paul and Silas stepped outside. Yes, he'll deliver me in my time of need. Like those Hebrew children from the fiery flame. And he fed 5,000 with two fishes and bread. And he walked on the water. And he raised the dead while he stood by Daniel in the lion's den. And he saved old Moses from Pharaoh's hand. Open the eyes of the blind to see. I know that he'll deliver me. That was pretty good. Um, how many girl winners did we see? 47 and a half. Oh. Okay. Um, how about guy winners? Any guy winners? None. Oh. I'm sure I saw some. Did anyone see any? I saw 13. 13. So that's 60 and a half people. And we don't have that many candy bars. So, we're going to have to try that one more time, and we're going to be watching those 61 people <laughs> to determine who is going to be the winner of the candy bars. You've heard the story of Paul and Silas, how they were bound and thrown into jail. They did not worry, they kept on praying, they were serving God, they could not fail. But then at midnight, God sent an earthquake. That old foundation began to 
began to shake. Those prison doors flew open wide. And Paul and Silas stepped outside. Yes, will deliver me in my time of need. Like those Hebrew children from the fiery flame. And he fed 5,000 with two fishes and bread. And he walked on the water. And he raised the dead while he stood by Daniel in the lion's den. And he saved old Moses from Pharaoh's hands. Open the eyes of the blind to see. <laughs> We need to have a conference. <laughs> that was the fastest decision, decision <laughs> five women have ever made. Um, <laughs> Emily found a girl winner, and Courtney, <laughs> Elizabeth found a guy winner, but ladies first. All right, the lady winner was on this side of Woo! the room. <laughs> She's not a tour member, sorry. Um, <laughs> you will know who she is because she has hair on her head. I see her. Oh. <laughs> oh, she's in the back half. going. She has a striped shirt on. She's three rows from the back on the end. Sarah! <laughs> okay, well it was evenly split tonight. The guy winner was on this half Woo! of the auditorium. So she sorry. said guy. <laughs> okay, you will know him because he has two eyes in his head. He has two ears, but only one nose. Oh, then it's not that guy. <laughs> okay, he is in the front half of the section on the fifth row back with glasses and a goatee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love with my Savior and He's in love with me. He is with me from day to day. What a friend is He. Watches over me while I sleep. Hears me when I pray. I'm as happy as I can be. Now I can say, Somebody loves me, answers my prayer. I love somebody, I know He Somebody loves me 
I got involved in the bus ministry from the very first weekend. I went out with a soul winning partner and we had a certain area of my bus route that we would visit. Well, we visited that same area for two years and in that time we would visit the kids who would come every single Sunday without fail. But we would also visit a family by the name of Vade. And no matter how much we visited them or how many times they promised to come, they would never come on Sunday morning when we would go by. Well, at the end of my sophomore year, my soul winning partner and I were sitting in church on a Sunday night and it was the end of the service. Brother Scott was reading the names of people who had come forward to make decisions, and he read the name of Christina Zade. Well, my summoning partner and I looked at each other and said, well, I wonder if she's related to the family we've been visiting both these years. So after the service was dismissed, we went down front and come to find out it was a teenage daughter from that family. She had had her dad bring her to church that Sunday night. She sat in the very back, and no one even knew that she was there. When the service was over, she went down front and she got saved and then she got baptized. And her life changed completely from then on. She started coming to church every time the doors were open and reading her Bible and going soul winning with us. And this past year, she was at Hiles Anderson College on the Jericho program. Now, she is just one of the many people that have been reached by the bus ministry of First Baptist Church. But even if she was the only person we ever would have reached, she still would have been worth all of our time and money and effort that we put into it every weekend. And when Jesus came to earth, he died on the cross for every single person who would ever live on the earth. But do you know, even if there was only one person to ever live on the earth, Jesus still would have come and died just for that one person. No palace, no jewels, no kingdom to
much pain and much hurt to give love and worth he bore our sins of you yet the hope of all he offered so outweighed what must be done he chose to be my victor and assured my pardon won he still came just for me he still came knowing all he would endure he still came disregarding every cost from the manger to the cross he still came just for me he still our singing to bring you a word from our sponsor, Hiles Anderson College. Every year the college sends out tour groups. They go by and have music professionally recorded. You'll hear no doors slamming, dogs barking, or cell phones going off in the background of this music. And you're probably sitting there saying to yourself, where is it? Where is it? Hey, I'm glad you asked. Right out in the vestibule we have it. We have those little high-tech devices, laser sensing, binary coded CDs. CDs, that's where they are. We have some compact discs out there. Now you're saying how much? How much? Hey, I knew you'd wonder about that. We'll sell you one for only $12. You're saying only $12? Only $12. Hey, but we've got deals. Listen to this. We'll sell you two of them for only $20, and now you're going whoopee. Whoopee! Hey, listen to this one. This will knock you right out of your seat. We'll sell you three of them for only $25. <laughs> but we do have them, and we would like for you to buy some. These girls are pretty well fed and we're running out of space in the van and so <laughs> but anyhow we got all kinds of theory those of y'all that are bigots we have some with only guys groups we have some with only girls groups we have some with boys and girls groups both we have some with no groups they just got piano playing on them so whatever you want we've got a little of it and so we'd sure like for you to rush back and get yours we're excited to be here from Hiles Anderson College for the last 32 years of my life I've spent there, and it's been the best 32 years of my life. For 11 years prior to that, I taught at the University of Tennessee in the 60s and 70s, and I watched students 
literally squandering their parents' life savings, spending that money on anything they thought would make them happy, but it really wasn't making them happy. We went to Hiles Anderson College. There were a lot of changes here at Hiles Anderson College. You get preached to six and seven times a week. You don't do anything you want to. We have rules there. We even have a dress code. You say a dress code? Yes, a dress code. About 25 years ago at Berkeley, California, at the University of California, a very liberal school, a male student started going to class wearing nothing but his apartment key on a string around his neck. And after a few days, they had a dress code at Berkeley, too. And so it's just a question of where it is. But, but seriously, my wife and I were sitting in the cafeteria after we'd been up there a couple of weeks looking at the students at Howells Anderson College who are living according to code, who are going soul winning, who are getting preached at. And I said, Frida, what's the difference between these students and the ones at the University of Tennessee? And she immediately replied, these students are happy. At the University of Tennessee, the students would come to class on Monday morning hungover, hoping no one would find out what they'd done over the weekend. At Howells Anderson College, students come to class at Howells Anderson College half asleep and hoping everybody will find out what they did over the weekend. What a way to spend a life. We now return to our regularly scheduled singing. There are times when I feel down and out When I let my burdens take away my shout And I'm struggling in the valley of despair And I cannot find the glory anywhere I take a little journey in my mind To another place, another time I go back to the place when God's amazing grace came to me Long ago, God returned to the glory, chapter one of the story, gotta go back to the day he saved my soul. Many years ago, there was a wayward son, he was so ashamed of all the things he'd done. From his family, he wandered far away, then he dreamed about a glad reunion day, as the lights of home finally
Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Everyone wants to be a success in life. I believe a successful life is one that accomplishes the purpose for which God made it. God gave me a living example of how to be a successful Christian and my 16-year-old sister Amanda. Amanda was a kind-hearted servant who was always a help to my mom and dad. As far as I can tell, she had no broken relationships with anyone. She was always happy and was known for her smile because she was always wearing one. Her peers knew her as a great soul winner because she was willing to talk to anybody, and Amanda showed her love for God by singing with her Hammond Baptist Ensemble. I believe God punctuated Amanda's adherence to her life verse, Joshua 1.8, by taking her home to be with him on 1.8. On January 8, 2009, my sister Amanda was traveling with her ensemble. To a youth conference in Michigan. That evening, her ensemble went skiing at a resort in Michigan, and Amanda went skiing down one of the slopes that she had been on that day. When the group assembled to leave, Amanda was not there. Workers began searching for Amanda and found that she had veered off a slope into a tree. Amanda was taken to the hospital, and Brother Eddie Lapina, our youth director, contacted my parents to let them know that Amanda had been involved in an accident. My parents immediately left for Michigan, and before they had gotten there, Amanda had already gone to heaven. 
But Amanda's successful life still lives on. My mother harvested the first fruits when she led the man to the Lord that found my sister Amanda. If Amanda can accomplish God's will for her life in 16 years with no regrets, what can we do with our lives if we live according to Joshua 1.8 as well?
Hey, that's not bad for a bunch of girls that ride a bus to Sunday school every week, is it? You ever wonder what might happen if you told God he could have all your life? You realize I did that, and for 60 nights in a row, I have to listen to that kind of singing, and all day long, and folks get saved. What a way to do it. Well, let's see. I got a, there's a wedding coming up. I have to share some thoughts here. This is a letter written to me by a guy named Bob. This will help all of you. <clears throat> Bob says, it's important for men to remember that as women grow older, it becomes harder for them to maintain the same quality of housekeeping as when they were younger. When you notice this, try not to yell at them. Some are oversensitive, and there's nothing worse than an oversensitive woman. My name is Bob. Let me relate how I handled this situation with my wife, Debbie. When I took early retirement last year, it became necessary for Debbie to get a full-time job along with her part-time job, both for the extra income and for the health benefits we needed. Shortly after she started working, I noticed she was beginning to show her age. I usually get home from golf, the golf course about the same time she gets home from work. Although she knows how hungry I am, she almost always has to rest for half an hour or so before she starts dinner. I don't yell at her. Instead, I say, take your time. Just wake me up when you get dinner on the table. I generally have lunch in the men's club at the grill, men's grill at the club, so it's not reasonable to eat out. I'm ready for some home-cooked grub when I hit that door. She used to do the dishes as soon as we finished dinner, but now it's not, it's not unusual for them to sit on the table for several hours after dinner. I do what I can by diplomatically reminding her several times each evening they won't clean themselves. I know she really appreciates this as she does seem to motivate her to get them done before she goes to bed. Another symptom of aging is, I think, complaining. For, for example, she said it's difficult for her to find time to pay the monthly bills during her lunch hour but boys, we take them for better or for worse, so I just smile and offer encouragement. I tell her, stretch it out over two or even three days. That way you won't have to rush so much. I also remind her that missing lunch completely now and then won't hurt her any, if you know what I mean. I like to think, I like to think tact is one of my strong points. When doing simple jobs, she seems to need more rest periods. She had to take a break when she was only half finished mowing the yard. I try not to make a scene. I'm a fair man. I tell her, fix yourself a nice big cold glass of freshly squeezed lemonade and just sit for a while. And as long as you're making one for yourself, make me one too. I know I probably look like a saint in the way I support Debbie. I'm not saying that showing this much consideration is easy. Many men will find it difficult. Some will find it impossible. Nobody knows better than I do how frustrating women get as they grow older. However, guys, if you'll just use a little more tact and a little less criticism of your aging wife because of this article, I will consider writing it well worthwhile. After all, we are put on this earth to help each other. Other, Signed, Bob. Here's the editor's note. Bob died suddenly on May the 27th. The police report said he was found with a Callaway extra long 50-inch Big Bertha Driver 2 golf club stuck in his throat with only two inches of grip showing. <laughs> His wife, Debbie, was arrested and charged with murder. However, the all-woman jury found her not guilty, accepting her defense that he accidentally fell down the stairs while holding the club. <laughs> okay, so uh, all you newlyweds, <clears throat> take heed. Okay, now getting back on the subject. Jesus has left heaven and come to earth for 33 
rough years, living in abject poverty, working hard. He has just suffered the most painful death anyone ever suffered, all of this to make our salvation possible. However, he has written no books. He has no website. He's not even written a gospel tract. Everything that we need to know about salvation is in the lives of the people he's leaving behind. He's just about to go back to heaven and to share his last words with his disciples. Any of y'all guys, when you were growing up, did your mother have last words for you every time you went out of the house? My mother used to say, be good, be careful, and have fun. I didn't think those three all went together, but you know, just little last words. And so Jesus now is about to share his last words. Open your Bible to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, Jesus is given his last words. Here they are, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. That's a reasonably simple thing. He's telling his disciples, everywhere you go, you're supposed to be a witness. I can understand that. Wonder what these disciples were doing. Well, let's read on. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Boy, that would have been exciting. And while they stood, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Everybody go, hmm. Jesus has just told the disciples, everywhere you go, you're supposed to be a witness. And then he's resurrected. And they're standing there looking up. Did they know what to do? Yeah. But they're standing there looking up. How long had they been standing there looking up? Long enough for somebody to come by and say, why are you standing here looking up? And then they threw in the clincher, he's coming back. My mother also had clinchers. When she leave the house, Pete, I want you this and this and this and this. And I'm saying, sure. And I'll let your daddy know how you do. That was the clincher. He was coming back too. So anyhow, they're standing around looking up when they knew what to do. I said to myself, self, what are these people doing when they know what to do and they're not doing it? I said, I bet they're doing exactly what I do when I know what to do and I don't do it. They're daydreaming about something else they'd rather do. I love my daydreams. Sometimes in my night dreams, I get hit by trains and beat up. But my daydreams always turn out the way I think I'll be happy. Is that the way your daydreams turn out? No girl ever daydreams about walking down the street and seeing all the guys convulsed in laughter and pointing at them as they go by. No guy ever daydreams about missing the winning shot in the ball game. We daydream about what we think will make us happy. I want to share with you a few of my daydreams, but first, I want to interrupt this message getting a word with our true sponsor, the one who fearfully and wonderfully made us, the one who put 250,000 nerve cells in this eye, 250,000 nerve cells in this eye, sending 10 billion bits of information every second to your brain, bringing up images faster than 1,000 laptop computers, and you thought you had a good computer. Here it is. God's been good, hadn't he? 
He makes it possible for you to walk down the street without thinking about it, keeping your feet under your center of gravity so your nose is not on the pavement. It's amazing, isn't it? God is really good. Let's pray. Lord, I sure do love you, appreciate you, and thank you for all that you do. Thank you, God, that you let us be here tonight. You're not surprised at this. This was something you had in mind when you spoke the world into existence. Please, God, speak through me to these folks. Help what happens here to cause every one of us to love you more, to serve you better, be quick to share you, and to let it show. Amen. Eons and eons ago, in another dispensation, when nobody had any fun, I was growing up in Memphis, Tennessee. This was in the 50s when everybody practicing, well, the teenagers all worked at being cool. I used to stand in front of my bathroom mirror and practice talking without showing any facial expression so I could be cool. And, all, and, and uh, I figured my parents' primary objective in life was to curb my activities to diminish my quality of life. I used to daydream about one day leaving home and going to the University of Tennessee and finding out what life was all about. Because you see, in my quest to be cool, I went to a Catholic high school. I paid my own tuition to go to Catholic high school because I thought all the folks that went to the college prep school in Memphis were wimps and I didn't want to be with them. And in that Catholic high school, they whooped up and beat on me bad. Boy, that my, my teachers would be in jail if they did that stuff today. But in doing so, they instilled in my mind a love for knowledge. And I said, man, I'm going to find out what life's all about. I used to get scrubbed and drugged to church. And I figured you went to church so God could get even with you for any fun you'd had that week. <laughs> I didn't want to be bound with anything as vague and abstract and require as much faith as this book. I wanted facts. I did graduate from high school. I did go to the University of Tennessee. There were a few shocks when I threw my dirty clothes in the corner of my dorm room and they stayed there. At home they kind of recycled. But anyhow, <clears throat> I remember going to my first freshman chemistry class, large lecture hall, acoustically perfect, curved walls, curved ceilings, don't even need a PA. On the wall behind the teacher was a big periodic table of the elements, and he could punch buttons on his desk and light those elements up. And I'm sitting there thinking, today I'm going to find out what life is all about. The teacher walked in. People who are educated beyond their intelligence <clears throat> move their mouths more than they need to when they speak. <laughs> you may have noticed this when you watch liberal newscasters, but anyhow. <laughs> He walked in and said, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to study the atom. Yes, the atom. No one has ever seen an atom. No, no one has ever seen that. And in this atom, which no one has ever seen, are three subatomic particles. I'm sitting there thinking, wow. That was in 1957. When I got my doctorate from Georgia Tech, we had 20 subatomic particles and they're still counting. You didn't know God was still creating, did you? You know, subatomic particles are, are like lies. You can't tell one. You have to keep adding to them. We now have massless particles. Intelligent blondes, government workers, massless particles. But anyhow, <laughs> I 
But I'm sitting there, yes, yes. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, it takes faith to believe in something you haven't seen, that inside of it are some other things you haven't seen. And then as I was going on, I realized that all learning is by faith. You can't prove your daddy is your daddy. When you were little, a big, ugly guy got in front of you and went, dad, 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 and you said, I believe. Yeah, it's all my faith. When you were in the first grade, your teacher said, C-A-T spells cat. Nobody jumped up and said, prove it! <laughs> this many is two, I believe. All learning is by faith. You say, I can't live by faith. The next time you're on an airplane at 30,000 feet, remember, every part was built by the lowest bidder. But man, I'm, I'm trying to shove this out because I figured if God got in my life, it's gonna mess up my daydreams. And after a while, it's taken a conscious effort on my part to keep God out. Finally, in my junior year, I read a statement like this. The second law of thermodynamics has increased this author's conviction that there is indeed a supreme being in whose hands lies the destiny of the universe. That's in a secular textbook, State University. I couldn't believe it. I went back to my dormitory room and I got on my knees and shut, I shut the door and got on my knees and I prayed the world's scariest prayer. It goes something like this. It's scary because God always answers it. I said, God, if you'll show me what to do, I promise you I'll do it. I didn't know what else to do. At that time, my roommate and I had a contest to see which of us could date the most different girls. If we didn't have a day-to-day, -day, we were losing ground. One of the things we did, we went to football games and early and saved two seats. For you see, to the female of the species, time is an elusive concept. You could always count on a couple of girls coming in. Is that seat saved? Three days after I prayed that prayer, this November 1960, we're sitting in the stadium at the University of Tennessee, and you won't believe what happened. A pretty blonde girl came by. And she said, Is that seat saved? No, but it's under conviction, baby. No. <laughs> I didn't really say that. <laughs> I said, No, have a seat. Thank you. So we're sitting there, and over the south end of the stadium, you can see the Smoky Mountains in the distance. I said, aren't the mountains beautiful? Yes, they are. Let's go to the mountains tomorrow. Tomorrow's Sunday. I know, let's go to the mountains. I go to church on Sunday. Oh, you remember that scary prayer? <laughs> I said, oh. Well, have you got a date tonight? Yes, I do. I do too, I'll break mine. If you break yours, let's go out. I don't do things like that. Oh. You, you, you get this feeling. Have you husbands ever been in an argument with your wife? Suddenly in the middle of the argument, you realize you're wrong and this cold feeling starts right here and works its way down to both feet? <laughs> That's what I'm experiencing. Now, husbands, when that happens, what you're supposed to do is fall on your knees, grab your wife around the ankles and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, but you don't. You back off and you say, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's the third quarter now. I'm getting desperate. I've got to get a date. I say, where could I take you on a date? Well, you could take me to church tomorrow. I started right about here. 
<laughs> but I figured a date was a date. You won't believe this. We went to a Baptist church. She took her Bible to the Baptist church. When the preacher gave the scripture reference, and I'm looking at the alphabetical index of the books of the Bible, she knew where to turn. But listen to this. She enjoyed it. I didn't know that was possible. I said to myself, this girl's different. You've got to get a legitimate date with her. It took a couple of weeks, but I finally did switch sides now. The date is almost over. I'm driving back to the girls' dormitory, Sophronia Strong Hall, Temple Court, University of Tennessee, looking for a, in my 1956 Dodge, listen to this, push button transmission, dual antennas, dual exhaust, and a three-tone paint job. Looking, <laughs> looking for a dark parking place. Right in front of the dorm, I found one, pulled in, punched the neutral button, pulled out the emergency brake, flipped off the headlights, turned off the ignition, and we had bench seats with no seat belts and slid across the seat. One slick move, and I put my arm around her and I said to myself, good move, Pete. <laughs> I turned to her with puckered lips. She was sitting there with her hands folded in her lap, looking at my puckered lips when she said two magic words. Every single girl in here listen to these two magic words. Let's pray. Pick the pucker right <laughs> off my lips. <laughs> I said, I can't. And she said, Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven one day? Nobody knows that. I do. Oh, and on a date with a beautiful girl, I got saved. Amazing. Hey, that was pretty gritty for her to do that. Boy, now I'm saved. I told God, you can let up a little bit now, God, I'm on your side. Like I was doing him a favor. You never thought that, but I did. And then I, you know what you, know what you do when you get saved? You have Christian daydreams, right? Any of y'all ever daydream about winning the lottery for Jesus? <laughs> Man, think what that do to the church debt and building. Pro no, anyhow. But then I played a game with God. It's called, let's make a deal. I said, God, this is my Christian daydreams. If you'll let me marry that girl, get a doctorate degree in engineering, and come back and teach at the University of Tennessee, I'll be the best church member you ever saw. That sounds like a pretty good deal. And guess what? God did it. I got my doctorate from Georgia Tech, went back. We bought 32 wooded acres outside of Knoxville. That's more than 22, by the way. But anyhow, 32 wooded acres outside of Knoxville, put a house smack in the middle of them. I'm teaching at the University of Tennessee, season tickets to the football games and the basketball games. And we were really, 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 really active members of the First Baptist Church of Alcoa, Tennessee. And I wasn't happy. We were arguing more and enjoying it less. You husbands, sometimes if your wife does, does something stupid, you make a note of that. This will come in handy in the next argument. You know, it's called saving ammunition, that sort of thing. And, and uh, it really, you know, we were real, we were in church whenever the doors were open. And we had, we, we could put a smile on real big between our house and the church and stuff like that. But I was getting ready to go home from the office about 4 o'clock one afternoon. And I'm thinking, I'm about to go home to the woman I begged God to give me for a wife to the children that he gave me, to the house that I wanted, and I'm not happy.
I said, this is stupid. I shut my office door, and I got on my knees, and I prayed a scary prayer. It goes like this. God, I don't know what to do, but if you'll show me, I promise you, I'll do it. I've been serving you on my terms. From now on, God, I'm serving you on your terms. I didn't know what that meant. I figured, you know, sell my house, get a Bible spear and a loincloth and go to Africa or something. But anyhow, I, I had to do something. So I went home that afternoon, gave my wife a spontaneous hug. We hadn't had many of those lately. And I hugged her and I looked at her and I said, Frida, babe, by the grace of God, I'm not going to argue with you anymore. That spiritual giant that unashamedly led me to Christ on a date leaned back in my arms and looked at me and said, ha! man, I wanted to argue. But God was good. For a couple days, she checked it out, and then she realized it too. And on our knees, at our sofa in our living room, we told God he could have it all. He showed us something. He said, you could love me better in heaven. You could know me better in heaven. You could live a sin-free life in heaven, but there's something you can't do in heaven that you can do here. He said, ye shall be witnesses. I didn't know what that meant. I said, where's the mission field? This is 1970, State University campus. Everything's going wild. And he said, you're in the middle of it. I didn't know how to lead anybody to Christ. We were in a <clears throat> Southern Baptist church at the time. What we used to do is give the pastor a card with an address on it, say, go see him, but don't tell him I sent you. No one's ever done that to you. But anyhow, uh, he was kind of the hired gun. But I had to do something. And so I picked out a had Last class of the day so I could make a quick getaway. And about the end of the class, I told my students, when the bell rings, I want to talk to you about something more important than this course, but if you want to leave, feel free to. If you want to stay, I'd like to talk to you. Bell rang, nobody moved. I said, with cold, clammy hands and knocking knees, there is a God, the Bible's his book, Jesus is his son, and heaven and hell are real. If you want to talk about it, please come see me. I didn't know what else to say. I was too embarrassed to look up. Finally, in the back of the room, someone said amen, and they left without saying a word. I went home and hugged my wife and cried. I said, Frida, I made a fool of myself today. I'm ashamed to go back. When I went back, there was a line outside my office door. Students started getting saved, not just a few students, lots of students started getting saved. And I'd say, after they got saved, how about going to church with me on Sunday? No, if you go to church with me on Sunday, my wife will feed you afterwards. We'll be there. <laughs> We've been teaching a college and career class in our church, and me and Frieden, about three folks that got bored every Sunday. Before long, we're running 80 and 90 kids in that church. People are stacked up around our house on Sunday afternoon like cordwood. We're killing cows on the hoof. My children, my children are watching folks getting saved as a way of life in our living room. And listen to this, for the first time, my wife and I, truly fell in love. I said, boy, this is it. This is it. And it was. But I made a few tactical errors. In the process of doing all this, I got a letter from Caterpillar Tractor Company. It said, would you take a 15-month sabbatical and move to Peoria and do research for us, helping us develop a new truck engine? Of course I wouldn't. Peoria was in the north. My mother always said, Pete, if you're bad, when you die, you'll go north. And I started to throw it away. And I said, they wrote me. I'm going to take this home so my wife can know what a catch she got. 
a tactical mistake. Perhaps it's God's will, she said. I said, no, Freda, no. We could pray about it. Oh, it was God's will. We rented a house we hadn't seen. If we'd have seen it, we might not have rented it. God put us, listen to this, in a fundamental independent Baptist church with a bus ministry in 1973, and we're still in the bus ministry. God showed us there was life after moving north. We even went, and we heard about Brother Hiles. We went back, went to my pastor, and I said, we'd like to start a bus ministry. He said, I'll rent every bus you can fill. He didn't know what he meant. I didn't know what he meant, but Southern Baptists have a lot of money. And none of the people in church were interested. So Frieda and I and a whole bunch of college kids we led to Christ started a bus ministry. And within a year, we had 700 on buses at a church that never had 500 in Sunday school. All sorts of good things are happening. I said, this is it. This is it. And it really was. Oh, man, I, I'm overwhelmed. I'm saying Jerusalem and Judea. Now we're out branching around. I've already been to Peoria. And I thought, surely that's enough. But I made another tactical error. My students started graduating. What do we do now? I sent them to Hiles Anderson College. 16 students at Hiles Anderson College out of a Southern Baptist church, and wouldn't you know it, Brother Hiles noticed it. He called me up and said, why are all your students up here, and you're not? Really pretty simple. We'd been to Hammond before. A trip to Hammond was like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It felt good when it was over with. <laughs> but he... He really, really made the decision tough when he offered me a 60% pay cut. <laughs> but remember, I said, God, if you show me, I promise you, I'll do it. Mason, best 32 years of my life. I did a little research. Hammond and Samaria come from the same Greek root word, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. I, I hope God lets me off the uttermost parts of the earth unless maybe Prairie du Chien is that. But anyhow. <laughs> but it, it's amazing. You shall be witnesses. Was it, was it easy? Oh, no, it wasn't easy. And you don't know the half of it. My father-in-law was one of the finest Christians I've ever known. Just a simple man from a small town in East Tennessee that believed the Bible was God's word, and that settled every issue, no question about it. Never got upset, never criticized anything, and he fiercely loved his grandchildren, and they were all mine. I used to have to tell him, Grandpa Bill, back off a little bit. He was buying anything they wanted. And while we were in Illinois, my youngest son, Keith, was born, but we found out that Grandpa Bill had bone cancer. He didn't tell us. His Frieda's mom didn't tell us. We found out by the grapevine. I remember I called him. I said, Grandpa Bill. I understand you got bone cancer. He said, let's talk about my grandkids. When we moved back, I took Frieda and the children back three weeks before I had to be back so they could start school. And I remember I carried the children down to see Grandpa Bill. He was laying in bed in front of a window air conditioner, hurting so bad he was perspiring profusely. The children saw him and they were excited. They went and jumped on the bed. I could tell the motion hurt and I went to grab the kids. He said, Pete, leave them there. That's my medicine. I cried for 560 miles driving back to Peoria. I prayed, God, it's not right. Please don't let him hurt. Please don't let him hurt. I prayed that way for two or three days, and God said, well, why don't you pray for what you want? I said, my son Keith, a little over a year old, didn't know Grandpa Bill like his older brother and sisters did. I said, let Grandpa Bill live long enough and well enough 
for Keith to know him too. When I went back, Grandpa Bill was walking without even a cane. His cancer had gone into remission. Nobody knew why. And God, God said, Pete, how long do you want this to last? And I said, how about three years? During those three years, we started bus ministries. We started sending people to Hiles Anderson College. And Brother Hiles called and offered me a job. My wife and I knew what it would do to her, her daddy if we left. We put it off for over a year. Finally, in December, I went down and said, Grandpa Bill, I believe it's God's will for us to move to Indiana. He said, if that's God's will, that's it. Never brought it up. In February, his cancer came out of remission. About April of that year, it was getting bad, and he went into the hospital. He's not going to come out of the hospital this time. Was it hard? Was it ever hard? We were going to leave the 1st of July on a Sunday, about the middle of June. I took the kids up and Frida up to see her daddy. My mother-in-law met us at the door. She said, the pain is so intense now, he's on morphine. He won't even know you're there, but you can go in if you'd like to. We went in, and he heard the children, and he was conscious and alert. He comforted us. He said, Pete, I'm about ready to see Jesus. You got any messages you want me to take? The kind of man that he was. He said, I'm giving you $5,000 to move with. I want my grandchildren to have carpet on their bedroom floor. A few days later, on my daughter's birthday, he met Jesus, and we moved. What was hard? Psalm 119, verse 62, says, At midnight I will rise and give thanks to thee for thy righteous judgments. Probably 25 years ago, that verse convicted me. And I get up about 1 or 1.30 every morning and thank God. When my children were at home, I'd thank him outside each of their doors each night. Sometimes when you really get fanatical, I'd get dressed and go out and lay on my face by a big oak tree in our front yard. On a warm spring morning in 1986, I was laying there and thanking God. He said, how's this doing compared to your daydreams? I said, oh God, I never expected anything this good. My oldest daughter had finished her second year at Hiles Anderson College. My oldest son was going to graduate from Hammond Baptist High School, Christian scholar, athlete, valedictorian, and all that kind of stuff. My other two children were doing good. When we left Tennessee, my mom and dad, about three hours away in North Carolina, were lost. I said, God, what about my parents? He said, you stay in my will, and I'll take care of them. And my parents have both been saved. It's amazing how all that worked. And then I'm thinking, I get to sit in church now with my daddy. I used to dream about doing that. I said, in a few days, my mom and dad are coming to see my son graduate. And on the way, they're going to stop and pick up my mother-in-law. And then I said, oh, God, one thing's missing. Grandpa Bill won't see it. And he said, Pete, you don't understand. Grandpa Bill hadn't missed a thing from the best seat in the house with no pain. I got excited. I said, God, you just took the biggest stumbling block in my life and turned it into the biggest blessing of all. What's holding you back from a real scary prayer? Go something like this. God, if you'll show me what to do, I promise you, I'll do it. I'm going to ask you to stand right where we are, heads bowed and eyes closed. The girls are going to come and sing. We're going to have an invitation. As the girls are coming, 
Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Ask him to prick it. Ask him to give you the grit and the grace to come down here on your knees and say, God, if you'll show me what to do, I promise you, I'll do it. It'll involve being a witness, but being a witness in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is the most exciting thing you could ever do. Lord, I sure do love you. I sure do appreciate you, and I sure do thank you for what you've done. Please, God, help me to stay yielded. Help some folks in here to get yielded and those that already are to stay that way. With heads bowed and eyes closed as the girls sing, y'all come. young ladies sing a few more songs but folks I trust that you got the message tonight and uh, uh, we serve an incredible God and uh, what he asked for us isn't always easy to accept and I think uh, you heard that tonight but through it all God can give you abundantly above all that you think or ask and uh, it's incredible it's incredible. I'm going to have the young ladies for just a moment, if you could just sit down. We're going to come up and sing a few more songs. We're going to take up a love offering, and uh, we appreciate them coming all this way, and uh, we're thankful for that. And uh, if you just, yeah, go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and be seated for just a moment. But let me get a couple fellas up here real quick. We're going to take up a love offering for these folks tonight. All right. 
Tim, can I have you ask God's blessing on this offering? Well, young ladies, let me get you to come up here one more time. And uh, there was a song they mentioned at dinner tonight about giving five. Can you, can you do that one? We'll see if they get it right. Amen? All right. I'm gonna ride, ride the chariot in the morning, Lord. I'm gonna ride in the chariot in the morning, Lord. I'm getting ready, ready for the judgment day, my Lord, my Lord. I'm gonna ride in the chariot in the morning, Lord. I'm gonna ride in the chariot in the morning, Lord. I'm getting ready, ready for the judgment day, my Lord, my Lord. Are you ready, my brother? Oh yeah. Are you ready for the journey? Oh yeah. Do you want to see your Jesus? Oh yes, I'm waiting for the chariot because I'm ready to go. I'm gonna ride high in the chariot in the morning, Lord. I'm gonna ride high in the chariot in the morning, Lord. I'm getting ready, ready for the judgment day. My Lord, my Lord. Are you ready, my sister? Oh yeah. Are you ready for the journey? Cherry. 
that's called the glory song and the chorus is very simple there are only two words the words are alleluia amen and then you clap twice so we're going to sing all the verses and then when we get to the chorus we want you all to join us and sing along down in a noisy small valley somewhere near jubilation Reach from ear to ear. They always had lots to praise God praise for, Jesus. and never had nothing to fear. I'm scared. Grow up. Well, instead of like they had bad springs boing. to help them in jumping around boing, 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 boing. with tambourines at their ready. <laughs> this is how they looked and sound. Your turn. Alleluia, alle, alleluia, alle, alleluia, amen. Alleluia, alle, alleluia, alle, alleluia, amen. Their vocabulary wasn't enormous. What's a vocabulary? In fact, it was really quite small. Deepy weensy. If it wasn't worth saying, alleluia, <laughs> it wasn't worth saying at all. Don't even say it. Well, the glories, they had opposition. <laughs> the misreads were the names of their foes. <laughs> they hated to see glories happy. <laughs> and this song just curled their toes. Ouch! Alleluia, alle, alleluia, alle, alleluia, amen. Alleluia, alle, Well, the miseries decided to take action. Hi-ya! While the glories were sleeping, they'd slip Shh. up to them and crinkle their beds for years. With a needle, they'd sew up their lips. Zip! Out! But as they crept into the glory camp, they panicked and soon they were <gasps> No. 
so much for being with us. Brother Colleen, Mrs. Colleen, a fantastic job tonight. We thank you. Um, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to be dismissed with a word of prayer, but I'm going to let the young ladies and the Colleen slip out ahead. And uh, you stop by the table on the way out. Thank you for coming this all this way to, to be with us tonight. And uh, we praise God for them and appreciate them very much. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Brother Dahl, can you dismiss us?